0: Praise Thee, Lord, for Thy, great plan, that we
1: thy place may be. Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible to signify his own sorrow and anguish over the unfaithfulness of his people Israel. Jehovah commanded Hosea to take Gomer, who was a harlot, as a wife, and to love her, in spite of her adultery. This was to show Hosea that the Lord viewed his people Israel as an unfaithful wife. Well, Hosea obeyed the Lord and married Gomer, but after she had borne children to him, she left again to chase other lovers. Once again, Jehovah came to Hosea and told him to receive her back and to love her again. Here we see the Lord patiently drawing Israel, his people, back to himself with the clear promise that at the end of this age he would restore her. This age of restoration will be at the coming of the Lord Jesus. The minor prophet Hosea gives us both a clear window into God's heart toward his people and also an unmistakable prophecy of the coming age of the kingdom. Matt Miller is with us. We're at our third program now in this current life study of Hosea, one of the minor prophets that we're covering as a group. Matt, it's very striking how this book begins, these first three chapters, all about this uh, unusual commandment of Jehovah to uh, love this person, this unlovable person, Gomer, this harlot.
2: What a message from God to his people, that comparing them to a harlot, I think you referred to this as the minor prophets, but there's a, a major message in the Minor Prophets. I'm, I'm looking forward to the fellowship today.
1: Yeah, man, we're covering really the bulk of two chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3 in this uh, short book of Hosea. We'll hear Witness Lee mainly on chapter 3, so maybe you and I take a couple minutes and talk about chapter 2. Chapter 2, a lot of verses here devoted to this matter of Israel's idolatry and Israel's uh, unfaithfulness, her adultery, really, as the Lord is uh, clearly indicating. He views the idolatry of his people as a kind of adultery an unfaithful act of a spouse in a marriage relationship of course in our first two programs we've talked a lot about you know the divine romance and how this theme is played out throughout the whole bible god pursuing and wooing his people now in the course of the new testament age that's us as the the bride of christ the wife that's the church's position in this romance but in the old testament we see israel really uh symbolizing god's people at their worst don't we
2: we do, Chris, and uh, and we are talking about Israel here. This is an Old Testament book, God talking about the Old Testament children of Israel, but I hope uh, the, the Christians listening today would not just listen to it for someone else because we do want to make some application to the believers in this. In chapter 2, these three children born by Gomer, the harlot wife of Hosea, the Lord told them to name them, and, and one of the names in particular was that you are not my people that's what the name means and at the end of chapter 2 it's very encouraging because the lord told uh, hosea to tell her you are my people right <laughs> and so there's a restoration in here it's you know there is a lot of unfaithfulness as you said but the end result of god's dealing with his people through his chastisement includes his love and it includes his restoration and that's the encouragement we want to see today.
1: Now let's look at a couple of verses in chapter 2 before we go to uh, uh, chapter 3 because chapter 3 is the one that really focuses on this restoration that you uh, alluded to and we want to devote most of our time to that. But in chapter 2 we do see some parallels that give us an application to our situation as God's people. Here now we've got this uh, wife, uh, Gomer, she's born some children. Verse 5 says for their mother has gone about as a harlot, she who conceived them has acted shamefully, for she has said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. So here is this uh, unfaithful wife departing from the one that she really should be faithful to and devoted to and seeking others because in her perception, it's those ones that can provide these uh, pleasurable, bountiful things. And very much this somewhat conveys how we are in our heart, at least, toward God, doesn't it?
2: It does, Chris. And an important follow-up to their seeking of those things is the Lord's response to it in verse 6. So I'll just follow up and read verse 6. He says, Therefore I will now hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build up a wall against her so that she will not find her paths, Mm -hmm. and she will pursue her lovers. So the point there is that the Lord is restricting her. In, in her pursuit of her lovers, so that she would come back to him and realize that he is the one that really is the provision for her. And an obvious New Testament verse for this that Witness Lee refers to in the life study of Hosea, message number three, is Romans 8.28. So uh, maybe we could read that verse. Sure. It says, uh, "...we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose." This is the all things. All this chastisement to God's people, it works out for good in the end.
1: Yeah, the all things there in Romans 8.28 are comparable to these thorns and these uh, this thorny hedge that the Lord has put in the way of his people when they are not really seeking after him. And very often, this is our own uh, experience, isn't it? Our heart is cool or even hard at times to the Lord. And we're... Engaged in other things and other entertainments and other uh uh pursuits, and our way gets difficult. It gets pretty thorny, yet these are the all things uh that the Lord is using for good. He's using it to our good to turn us back to him and ultimately to his purpose.
2: that's right, Chris, and a lot of people when they read uh, romans eight twenty eight they don't see his purpose for all these things working out, following up that that we would be conformed to the image, the image of, of his Christ, yeah, which is the very next verse right.
1: Okay, Matt, let's go ahead now and uh, join Witness Lee. We touched Chapter 3. Uh, let me read at least the first two verses. There's only five verses in this short chapter. We'll read all five today. Now, here's one and two. Then Jehovah said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her companion, yet who is an adulteress. Even as Jehovah has loved the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes, so I bought her for myself for fifteen pieces of silver, and an omer of barley, and a half omer of barley. The Lord loving Israel, but uh, clearly seen as an unfaithful wife, even an adulteress and a harlot. Here's Witness Lee.
0: God firstly asked Hosea to marry Gomer and Harlot, and she brought three children. All these are signs. Now God told Hosea to do another thing. That is, Jehovah told Hosea to love Gomer, a woman of adulteries, to love her again. This indicates that there was a time probably Hosea didn't like Gomer. Now after a while God came in, Hosea, he had to go back to love her. And this symbolizes that Jehovah will love the children of Israel at the end. There was a time God would not love them. This time lasted long. On the one hand, from Nebuchadnezzar's time. On the other hand, from Titus, the Prince of Rome's time. You all know history tells us. And this history is going in front of our eyes. Israel is left alone, without God's care. But I have to say this carefully. I cannot say without God's care at all. God still cares for Israel in God's way. But apparently God stops to love Israel today. But no country can terminate the Jewish race. No. God's hand is there. Yet apparently without love. God just leaves. all the Jews are love. Now Jeremiah told had to love Gomer, a woman of adult race again, symbolizing that Jehovah will love the children of Israel again, though they have turned to other lovers of the God and loved recent cakes.
1: Matt, this is a subtle point, but one I think we should uh, uh, touch again. We don't have to spend a lot of time, but here's this word that the Lord gives to Hosea. He says, go again, love a woman who is loved. This is after his initial commandment and after they had married and after she had borne children. So it indicates if the Lord is telling him to love her again, there must have been a period here where Hosea did not love uh, Gomer obviously due to her unfaithfulness. And this is typifying uh, some identifiable periods in Israel's history, isn't it?
2: It is, Chris. And the implication here is that there was a period where he didn't love her. So go again and love her. So this is symbolizing that when maybe when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and there was a period of time of 70 years when Israel was in captivity, they may have felt God didn't love them. So he came and loved them again, and the temple was rebuilt. They were able to have offerings and sacrifices. And then again in A.D. 70, when Titus came and destroyed the temple again, they could have the feeling again that God doesn't love us. And we're still in that period today. So the Jews may feel that God doesn't love them, yet he will come again. There will be a time when the kingdom will be restored.
1: You can see in these periods, particularly the one we're in now, which, as you said, began essentially in 70 A.D. Of course, there was a big change uh, near the end of the 1940s where Israel was somewhat restored. But in terms of their relationship to God, that relationship has not yet really been restored. Uh, so apparently God's love is waning towards Israel. Yet it's uh unmistakable that his hand is still there Protecting them and somewhat holding them, isn't
2: it? It is, Chris. There's definitely God's protection of them. Even in his chastisement of Israel through the nations over time, there was always his love. God really loves the people of Israel. And eventually, though they, like you said, in the forties, they had their, the nation of Israel was restored. They still don't have a king according to the Old right. Testament picture. So yeah, the restoration is still to come.
1: We'll get to that. That uh, also is prophesied in here. There's still no king. There's still no temple. There's no sacrifices. All of those things are yet to be restored. So the restoration just had an early beginning in the late 1940s, but is long from being completed. Okay, let's go on to these next two verses, Matt, verses 3 and 4 in chapter 3. And I said to her, You will abide for me for many days. You shall not go about as a harlot, nor be another man's and I will be the same toward you. For the children of Israel will abide for many days without king and without prince and without sacrifice and without pillar and without ephod and teraphim. All of these things, of course, pointing to aspects of Israel's formal relationship with God related to the temple, the sacrifices, the priesthood. So there is this period that's prophesied that we'll hear about in the coming portion. Here's Witness Lee.
0: Comer married... Hosea, and brought fraud for him three children. Then probably she left. She went about to commit adultery with her lovers. Then after a while, God told Hosea to love her again. You should do it to symbolize what I would do with Israel. And this is a confirmation of God's restoration. And the prophet did it and told Gomer the woman of adultery to abide for him for many days, just for him, not for other men, for many days without going about as a harlot, nor being another man. And he would be the same toward her, symbolizing that the children of Israel will abide for many days without king, without friends, Without sacrifice, that means without the service of God by the offerings. Without pillar for worship. And without ephod and the idols worshipped in your home. Well, you check with the prophecy. This is also prophecy. From what time were the Jews there began to have no king? to have no service to God by offering sacrifices. From where? Firstly, it was from Babylon, because Babylon burned the temple. At least for 17 years, the Jews didn't have the sacrifice. Then the temple was rebuilt by the return captives, and that was contaminated. By the descendant of the generals of Alexander the Great. History tells this. Then that temple was rebuilt. Then that rebuilt temple was destroyed, not leaving one stone upon another, by Titus. From that day, Israel has been without kings, without princes, without the service by offering sacrifice to God, even the strange thing without pillars. Have you noticed all the Jews today, they don't worship any idols. No pillars, no terraphants, no sacrifice, no king, no prince. This is Jewish condition today. Even they formed the a kind of republic, having the president, but they don't have the king according
1: to the Bible. Matt, this is very interesting. This is very clear prophecy in, in a book, Hosea, uh, and the fulfillment is right before our eyes. We've seen Israel now in this modern era uh, from 70 A.D. on. No temple at all, none of these other uh, facets, nor, as he's pointed out, and very interesting, I didn't realize it uh, so much until getting into this message, Not the kind of idolatry that you see Israel associated with in these Old Testament history books, is there, in this uh, current period of time, these many days that she's abiding?
2: I'm like you, Chris. I, I didn't really realize this until I got into this life study, or into this study of Hosea, where Hosea says this, you know, they won't have a king, they won't have a pillar, they won't have the idols like they did so in such a prevailing way in the Old Testament. And so we're seeing prophecy fulfilled right before our eyes today
1: israel there uh, existing being kept a kind of a republic which is not the old testament pattern for israel it was really to be a king i mean a nation with a king and uh, and then of course all of the aspects of their temple life that symbolized and, and and were the center of their relation to god so it's a partial restoration it's a kind of a shell of the nation of israel but there is certainly a fulfillment coming that we want to look at in this uh, coming third section, isn't there?
2: There is, Chris, and I like the title of the uh, this section of God's Word in the Recovery Version. There's little subheadings above each section, and the the section here in chapter three is the confirmation of God's faithful restoration of Israel. I just am encouraged even by the the word. It's a it's God's faithful. Restoration to his people Israel.
1: The matter of this restoration is referred to in the New Testament in several places. I've picked one, Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the restoration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you also shall sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel." the Lord here clearly uh, alluding to in his second coming, he will be physically occupying the throne and there will be a kind of a kingdom environment in which Israel plays a definite role. All right, here's our final section.
0: Later, the children of Israel will return and seek Jehovah and David their king. That David will be Christ, Christ in the millennium. And they will come with fear to Jehovah and to his goodness in the better days, in restoration age. That day has not come yet. It's quite interesting. I've been all the time waiting for that day. To see God would receive Israel back as Hosea did to Gomer. The entire Israel today is a Gomer. God somewhat has told this Gomer, you don't go to others, you will have no king, you will have no prince, you will have no sacrifice, service to God through the temple by offerings. No, without idols and so forth. Either today, kept this word. For years, they don't have all these things. Strange thing is this, before their captivity, the Jews had a lot of idols, right? All kind of idols. But after the captivity, especially after Titus' destruction of Jerusalem, the Jews, they began to have new idols for two thousand years. So, in all these books of the Bible, four things are repeatedly covered. Number one, God's chastisement on the Jews. Number two, God's punishment upon the nations. Number three, these things don't sound so nice. Chastisement upon the Jews, punishment upon the nations. It seems that God is mad. God is unhappy with every nation on this earth. Yes, God is judging everywhere. But eventually, the coming out is what? The coming out is the manifestation of Christ. And uh, the result of the manifestation of Christ is the restoration. And the restoration is the millennial time which ushers the universe into the new heaven, new earth, with the new Jerusalem. I hope you all will see. Hallelujah. We have... A hope. A hope in Christ. A hope in his restoration. Hallelujah.
1: Matt, this is very helpful uh, to have a kind of a thumbnail understanding of the books of prophecy, which are the minor prophets, plus including the major prophets, as we saw in our first couple of programs. In essence, they're really covering these same four things. Israel's chastisement due to their unfaithfulness, God's judgment and punishment of the nations. Then the manifestation of Christ, which brings in this restoration we've been talking about, which ultimately will usher the old heaven and the old earth into the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. And these are not unrelated events, are they?
2: Not at all, Chris. And and I really am encouraged by the concluding word that Witness Lee said that if we would see these four things, we would see what a hope we have in Christ. And for those that want to get the printed message or read it on the Internet, that last paragraph of the life study is really good, basically putting in print what he just said there. Uh, it's really good, Chris, to see this in the perspective. All the minor prophets are dealing, God is chastising his people, and then he's punishing the nations for being too harsh in their treatment of his people. But the result of that is a manifestation of Christ. And the manifestation of Christ will bring in the age of restoration, the millennial kingdom, which ushers the old and ruined universe into the new heaven and new earth with the new Jerusalem. So, Chris, this is really quite a vision that we need to have of these four things. And and the result of having this vision, as Witness Lee said, we will see what a hope we have in Christ.
1: Matt, to see the book of prophecy in this kind of context with an application to me is a wonderful benefit that we get in this life study. Uh, God's economy, though it's typified in other ways in the Old Testament, is yet unmistakably there once you've seen it. And this ministry has been so faithful through all the years now we've been going through these programs, uh, these life study messages, Old Testament, New Testament. We're always seeing uh, the same point of focus Christ in his economy, God in his economy, and even now as we look back and study the history of Israel and see these prophecies, it is so unifying that this really uh, has a kind of a restoring effect on our own faith in God and his work, doesn't it?
2: It does, Chris. I just have a big amen, and uh, I haven't met a life study yet that hasn't been life-giving, and I can't imagine reading these chapters in Hosea without the view of God's economy that Witness Lee gives us. Matt, you
1: mentioned uh, reading these life study messages. Of course, in print, we always talk about that. We give the phone number, how people can contact us about getting the printed life study messages, which we will do also. But you mentioned uh, the possibility of reading them online. want to say a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, the easiest way is to go to our, our website, www.lsm.org. And from there, follow the links to the life study of the Bible, which is Witness Lee's Written ministry, it's its all there. All the life studies are available online from lsm.org.
1: So you can read the printed life studies online, of course, while you're there. You can also access the uh, Life Study of the Bible radio programs. All of the archives of uh, more than 1,900, I think, programs by now are there. So a lot of resources at the website, www.lsm.org. If you want to call us, we can uh, help you through these things and also tell you how you can get the printed life study messages and that is uh one eight 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 life study, eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. That's our program for today. From Matt Miller. I'm Chris Wild. Thanks very much for listening. been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages, but to get the full riches of the Life Study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 Life Study messages in their entirety or download more audio programs like this one, all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today.